Welcome to the B20 Podcast, Road to G20 and B20 Summit. This podcast is brought to you by B20 Indonesia 2022 Organizing Committee, supported by main partners, Astra International, Bayan Resources, Indica Energy, Sinar Moss, also Bronze Partners, Bakri, Bank Central Asia, MTech, Lippo Group, Ha M Samporna. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the B20 podcast Road to B20 and G20 Summit. My name is Grace Adu from Kadin Indonesia as the host of today's episode. It is my pleasure to be here to lead you into deep conversation on the next big thing in digitalization. As we all know, our main priorities are digital transformation, global health architecture, and energy transition. Today, I have the honor to discuss more on digitalization with someone who needs no introduction, who's also the co-chair of Task Force Digitalization and the CEO of PT GoTo Gojek Tokopedia TBK, Bapak Andre Sulistio. Hi, Pak Andre. Hey, Grace. How are you? Doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Well, we're so glad to have you today. Um, well, we have you here with us today. Um, I think it will be great to hear it directly from you as the CEO of one of the Indonesia's uh, Decacorns about your thoughts on uh, what digitalization is. Yeah, happy, happy to share some Okay, so uh, a lot of people uh, have been talking about IT companies and technology companies. Maybe you can share with us, what are the differences between an IT company and a technology company? in your opinion? Uh, thanks, Greg. There's actually uh, quite a fundamental differences between technology company and an IT company. Um, so technology companies uh, utilizes a lot of advancements in software and hardware development, and many of that is uh, innovated um, in the last you know, uh, five to 10 years. Uh, so the, the usage of things like machine learning, uh, building mobile platforms, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to be able to then build the service or product uh, to the uh, customer. Uh, the customer can actually be an end user uh, or they can also be businesses. Uh, so so perfect example is a company like ours, uh, GoTo. Uh, so we build uh, digital platforms uh, that can actually give access for MSMEs and also our driver partner to be able to provide their services to uh, tens of millions of users of Indonesia. And that actually... Um, is the heart of the uh, com- what we provide. Um, so this is actually a technology company, whereas IT company uh, is a service provider uh, to actually uh, do specific tasks uh, for any companies. Uh, it could be an in infrastructure uh, such as connectivity uh, or you know data centers and stuff. Uh, it, could, it could also be building software for a specific needs of a company. Um, so that's, that's, that's the main difference. So really technology company is really utilizing innovations uh, to actually be able to engage uh, their customers um, and, and provide their, the services to their customers. Okay, um, what's your perception on doing a implementation on digitalization for technology companies and for non-technology companies? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think uh, there's actually, uh, especially uh, these days um, that digitalization only uh, works for a technology company and not any other companies. 
I do believe that because of the you know kind of advancement on technology, um, if a any company wants to adapt uh, and be able to transform themselves digitally, then this is actually, uh, in my opinion, will will contribute um, uh, to a success uh, for such a, such a company that decided to do so. Um, so be, you know, to give you an example, um, uh, a, a traditional company uh, that actually um, maybe uh, have um, um, you know c- uh, certain ways of working uh, to be able to engage their customers can always innovate um, uh, themselves um, to be able to do it in a digital way. Um, so to give an example, um, back in the days, um, you know, companies actually uh, have branches uh, to be able to actually um, access or uh, engage with um, their customers. But these days, through the uh, um, uh, through building their own uh, app, uh, mobile app, or partnership with the, you know uh, companies such as e-commerce platforms or or any other um, you know digital kind of platforms they'll be able to engage with a wider audience and wider customer base without needing to actually build uh, um, you know, additional branches to do so. Uh, and similarly, uh, uh, for digital transformation for cost side uh, or the way that they operate uh, their business, a lot of things, advancement on things like automation, uh, advancement on robotics and stuff can actually help even the factories uh, to be able to produce uh, a lot of their product uh, better and faster and also cheaper uh, in the long run and stuff. So, so, so again, this examples means that um, it's important uh, for such company to decide whether they want to transform digitally or not. But it's not just you know implementable only for technology companies. Um, uh, any companies can actually do so if they decided to uh, transform themselves. Um, as we all know, uh, because of COVID-19, uh, there are uh, a lot of organizations of all sizes um, who are thinking to reevaluate their digital transformation strategies. And um, how can you determine if the digital transformation at your firm is successful? And um, are there any steps or f- um, phases that need to be undertaken in order to do the digital t- transformation? Yeah, I think the way I think about um, there's potential buckets on the way that uh, we can measure success. Uh, one bucket is how transform digitally for a lot of the ways of working internally. Uh, so to give you an example, during COVID, uh, we, we couldn't go to the office, right? Um, and therefore, the question is, how do you collaborate? How do you reach out to clients? How do you actually uh, communicate? Many of us utilize this, uh, the changes things to Zoom. Um, you know, productivity tools like the Slack or maintaining communication within the company, uh, and, and everything is transformed. Uh, it, it's easy to measure success. It's your company ongoing. Uh, kind of operation can still be managed by that. Uh, because it's not just about the tools, but how you as company and leaders uh, build the culture that can actually be operating with or without that physical kind of uh, connectivity that we used to have in the office. Right? Uh, luckily, companies like us, we have six different offices in three different countries. We already 
I prepare for, you know, before to actually do all collaboration and communication through virtual means. Uh, so the culture of, um, you know, uh, has, has actually been set even before COVID. Uh, the transition was, uh, yeah. you know, was, was okay during the COVID period. Now, now the second bucket is, as mentioned, how do you actually uh, utilize digital transformation to either reach to larger countries or be more efficient in the way they to operate in your business and stuff? And again, this, the KPI is very simple. Um, you, know, you can measure the reach by understanding whether there's actually higher uh, contribution of growth coming from uh, you know virtual access, meaning you know e-commerce platform or digital distribution. If you build your own app, like how many user engage um, uh, through that uh, um, you know distribution channel, uh, or if you think about it from uh, uh, making your operations better, then obviously again uh, similarly, if you invest in such hardware technology to automate or improve productivity, then the cost of building such solution versus the improvement that you see uh, based on the productivity, will that, will that uh, decision be it back? Because at the end of the day, it's all ROI driven. But, but usually the, the, the problem with many companies, because they're so complacent with the existing ways of working, and you make good margins for it or money out of it. It's it's actually the bottleneck for many companies to actually um, transform themselves uh, using digital means, and that usually uh, resulted in um, a lot of issues as well. Okay, so uh, do you think um, we can guarantee that um, having a digital transformation uh, in an organization can boost a company's growth? Well, I, I believe so, but again, it depends on the, the company's decision, uh, leadership's uh, willingness to actually disrupt themselves. Again, you know, changes is always uh, uncomfortable, uh, and there's always a reason why not to do something. Uh, and, and that disability uh, will actually uh, be problematic. I'll give you a perfect example. Walmart, Walmart was a traditional company, right? They have store, mega stores, etc. And then when Amazon came and became uh, the uh, biggest way for a lot of consumers to actually buy things, if they didn't disrupt themselves and transform themselves digitally, uh, and they actually do do it really well, they they have uh, um, quite a Large share of the online commerce market uh, share now. Go to their warehouses. Uh, a lot of automation, a lot of productivity improvement. The way that they build loyalty and consumers very digital savvy and stuff. They didn't do all of that. They might lose to Amazon because as you know Amazon became the uh, preference for a lot of uh, uh, consumers to buy something uh, in the developed market in the US. Uh, so there's also that factor. If you don't change, if you don't transform, you might lose out what you have. So it's not just about boosting growth, but also to protect 
your brand uh, in front of the ever-growing, uh, ever-digital interface uh, in the world. Yep. Okay. So, um, from our conversation, um, I think uh, I can conclude that also doing digital transformation is not cheap. It requires a substantial amount of capital. So what about the small, medium enterprises? Um, how can uh, SMEs um, actually participate in doing digital transformation? And um, how can we provide MSMEs uh, maybe a grasp of digitalization? Uh, I, I take the view that um, in, in countries where um, MSMEs um, are you know, really the backbone of the country's economy, uh, such as our company in Malaysia, um, it happens to be that a lot of innovation that technology companies are building uh, are facil facilitating uh, those MSMEs uh, to be able to uh, digitize themselves, right? There is e-commerce platform, the delivery platform, even helping them to manage their uh, inventory, uh, POS services, lending, or uh, working capital loan, uh, etc., etc. So the, the good thing is, this, especially in Indonesia, we've seen that my guess is half of every technology company that is created in Indonesia is actually helping out MFMEs. It is such, such a large market. The first is uh, with this whole um, movement, um, we see um, that uh, if you're a small, medium business, you'll actually be able to transform yourself by connecting and uh, onboarding into, into this, uh, this platform, right? And then uh, a lot of this is seen because this is our life and blood. We make uh, helping MSMEs are the reason we exist. And we've seen uh, merchants or driver partners who join our platform have actually uh, reached increased productivity, uh, be able to get the uh, democratized access uh, to opportunities where they couldn't before, um, competing with the larger um, enterprises. And that, that itself has been approved that uh, uh, these things work. Um, but obviously, the willingness uh, to start and, and also to try something new, uh, to be able to increase their literacy, and also um, a part of this conversation on B20, B20, it's also for government to put in the right policies to continue to improve access, infrastructure, etc., uh, uh, etc. Et it, it's very important. Uh, so that it, what's good continues. Um, and we've seen that with COVID, the acceleration of uh, digitalization for SMEs has increased rapidly. Uh, many, many that uh, didn't use it before, they started to get access by uh, a partnership platforms. So again, you know, what's already good, we should continue to maintain and, and, and continue to grow so that uh, this becomes one of the uh, uh most uh, important ways for msmes to be able to uh, grow grow their business okay um do you see there's a, a barrier of uh, digital transformation between developed and underdeveloped nations maybe um since we talk a lot about this maybe you can share with us 
what we can learn from our friends in India and China? Um, there, there are challenges, but there's also uh, opportunities. Uh, why, why do I say that? Um, if we compare ourselves uh, with developed market, then when every infrastructure uh, is, is already really good, uh, then to transform or change uh, takes time. Uh, but in a country where the significantly in terms of the infrastructure gaps, and when there's actually a big transformation, we tend to live from uh, a lot of the evolution. To give you an example, uh, in Indonesia, we skip the web kind of uh, evolution or web 1.0 evolution, and we jumped into web 2.0, where via mobile uh, network, uh, the creation of uh, smartphone apps uh, that actually is uh, becoming a way, a way to communicate between users, merchants, uh, and, and, and you know, service providers uh, was actually um, uh, there very quickly uh, because of the government's investment and also the telco operators uh, in, in building connectivity. So we leap from, from, from like almost zero to immediately uh, have mobile based solutions. Um, and that, that was a very transfor transformational um, era in the last 10 years in Indonesia. Uh, so that's actually really good. Uh, so, so again, while there's challenges, uh, there's also opportunities for us to be able to uh, utilize um, itself. Um, now, you also asked the question about uh, what can we learn from our neighbor countries and stuff. Uh, in my view that, um, uh, there are few things that needs to be continued to be invested so that all this transformation can continue and becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, first is um, access to infrastructure. This is really important. Um, it's not just about network connectivity, which you know again continues needs to be developed, especially for inclusive access for uh, digital access uh, throughout nationwide. Uh, it's also access to all kinds of uh, um, um, technology and also uh, technology-enabled infrastructure, such as you know access to uh, identity digitally uh, for us, uh, for a lot of companies to actually uh, be able to do things like KYC or for for risk management and fraud detection, even access to infrastructure for payments uh, and access to uh, digital payments and also digital uh, financial services. Uh, if you think about the whole spectrum of payments, it's 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 not just about the connectivity, but it, everything that you know, kind of uh, supporting uh, things like identity risk management, um, interoperable payments, uh, uh, fast payments, and stuff is is really really important. And if you think about the comparison, um, you know, in China, obviously, it's very very well developed. Um, significant part of their GDP is actually facilitated by digital payments. Uh, I would say that it's probably 40, 50% um, uh, today, which is crazy and big. And, um, you know, there's actually very little uses of cash um, in the system. But obviously, China has actually built those infrastructure many, many years before us. But, but recently, um, I think the perfect example of what has uh, um, 
you know, the, the country that did it really well was India, where uh, about maybe seven years ago, they introduced a, uh, a policy uh, that is made by government and also working with private sector, uh, what they called UPI. UPI is actually an interoperable fast payment uh, network uh, that is uh, built uh, so that uh, moving money from A to B, anywhere you go, uh, you can use any types of bank account or e-wallet and whatever into into also the same kind of uh, destinations uh, can be made um, easily. And then, uh, and then on the back of it, it's also, you know, uh, 100%, uh, you know, kind of a evolution in terms of moving identity system of uh, India into digital called Adar. Uh, and then, you know, if you if you see the last seven years, uh, India was very behind in terms of um, access to digital digital um, uh, penetration. But if you see uh, the numbers like this year, I think they're the top three or four countries in the world that um, the penetration on uh, digitalization because of that infrastructure that they built, um, you know, um, um, actually uh, pay off in terms of um, all of that. Uh, so, so first is infrastructure, and there's actually a lot of lesson learned. Um, the second is about literacy. Um, I think uh, while, you know, when infrastructure is there, but people still don't understand what the benefit, what the impact is, it's not, it's not enough. Um, so I think a lot of the, the things that we, we need to do and, and then part of this um, uh, task forcing and digitalization part of B20 um, is to actually also think about how um, um, literacy can actually be increased so that uh, a lot of the um, MSMEs um, especially can actually be able to understand the benefit. There's actually proper training, proper information sharing, um, and, and a lot of platforms like us also do, do the same thing. So it's actually a really private and public kind of a partnership uh, to be able to get there. Um, um, yeah, I think those those two areas are, are very important. Um, and then the last thing is all, all about policy. Um, I think uh, in China and India, there's also a lot of policy that government is actually uh, doing that actually embrace digitalization and, and in some, some, some sort of ways mandate them as well, because the, the country believe that this is the path to be able to um, sustain growth for their country as well, especially for domestic kind of uh, economy and stuff. Uh, and I, I think I've, I've, I've been uh, pretty happy to see a lot of our uh, regulators are, are very uh, advanced in their thinking. Um, uh, Bank of Indonesia, for instance, putting together a lot of policies uh, and also the infrastructure for a lot of digitalization to happen. Um, and then I think part of this um, G20, B20 is also to ensure again and again, if we wanted to transform ourselves for the betterment, we need to do it uh, um, together, right? Um, so this this whole collaboration and, and partnerships, um, again, between countries, between government, private sector is super important. And I think um, I'm pretty happy that, that this is actually being picked up as one of the uh, key kind of policies and task force uh, for, for the B20, G20 uh, summit. So infrastructure, uh, literacy, and also policies um, in order to close the gap. Okay, um, so last question for you. Um, what kind of expectations uh, do you have for the Indonesian presidency of the G20 and B20 in 2022? 
Yeah, no, I uh, we're uh, I'm, I'm for first of all, I'm happy to be part of it. Um, um, this is actually uh, quite an important um, 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 event uh, that's happening here, uh, especially with the global macro backdrop uh, where there's geopolitical, you know, uh, tension between you know few countries and and there's also a lot of rising macro uh, inflation and um, supply chain problems. I think um, um, these types of summit, uh, you know, putting aside the the, the main agendas, um, also bring together a lot of uh, collaborations again, um, and then ensuring that the world thinks, you know, the bigger picture, uh, that less about issues that pertains, um, you know, uh, internally, but is also thinking about how do we move uh, a bigger agenda in the world that is actually. Uh, uh, presenting a lot of risk, uh, not for one country, but for um, the world, right? Things like energy transition, how do we uh, become net zero? Because the fact of the matter is, um, I think the, the world is actually suffering because of uh, um, carbon uh, and carbon um, kind of impacting kind of the environments and stuff. Things like access to healthcare, we, we just came through a, a very, very bad uh, dark period for the world um, during COVID, and at that stage, access to um, proper healthcare, um, access to medicine, vaccines, and stuff was an issue, especially for underdeveloped or you know uh, countries. Um, so, how do we actually democratize and uh, building an inclusive access um, in preparation for the next you know pandemic? Because uh, uh, like it or not, it's there's there's always going to be a risk of that. Um, is is actually important, and then also lastly, uh, what we just discussed a lot of about digitalization. Um, how do we actually do this um, uh, again by learning from best of the best uh, in the world, but also to ensure that the uh, ability for for us to to do all of to all of that um, it's not just hinges upon one company's willingness, but it's uh, it's also hinges upon. Uh, the country's willingness and the partnership between the government and the private sector uh, to be able to push all of that. So I'm, I am, I'm very uh, excited uh, for the event. Uh, I think we, uh, uh, it's it's great uh, that it's also done in Bali. I mean, I think it's, it's always a good one. Uh, so, so looking forward for the summit um, uh, and and to discuss all of these um, agendas. Thank you, Pa Andre. I think that was uh, very informative. Uh, thank you for your time today and thank you for uh, sharing your knowledge with our viewers. See you again soon. Thank you so much, Craig. Bye. If you would like to learn more about the Business 20 or B20, please visit our website at www.b20indonesia2022.org where you will discover our other episodes in which we discuss Indonesia's B20 priorities in depth with top executives from prominent global corporations and institutions. See you in the next episode.